Welcome to the Happy Menopause podcast with me, Jackie Lynch, registered nutritional therapist and founder of the Well, Well, Well Nutrition Clinic, where I specialize in women's health and the menopause. There are so many ways that diet and lifestyle can help to relieve a whole range of menopause symptoms. And my new book, The Happy Menopause, Smart Nutrition to Help You Flourish, is packed with practical nutrition advice to support you through this transition. It's out now and available to order in all the usual places. Join me and my expert guests on a journey through midlife in this podcast and find out how you can have a healthy and happy menopause. Bone health is very much on the agenda today as we celebrate World Menopause Day. And it's a real concern for women in mid and later life. So I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to get some expert advice from a woman who knows all about bones. I'm delighted to introduce you to Sarah Leyland, who is an osteoporosis specialist nurse, currently working as a clinical advisor with the Royal Osteoporosis Society. With over 20 years of experience in providing specialist advice, guidance and support, she's exactly the person we need to tell us how we can support our bone density and reduce the risk of fractures that can be a very real concern for women post-menopause. So let's hear what she's got to say. Welcome to the Happy Menopause, Sarah. Thank you, Jackie. Great to be here. Well, I'm really pleased you've managed to join us today because I know how busy you are and it's such an important topic, especially as it's the theme of this year's World Menopause Day. So it's really great that we've got some expert advice here for the listeners. But before we drill down into all that expert advice, what I'd like to start out with is is a little bit about you and your story. So, you know, what's your background and, and how did it lead to where you are now? Well, actually, I was a social worker to start with. Nursing wasn't something I came to till in my sort of mid to late 20s. And in fact, I was in women's health, so gynecology, contraception, sexual health, at a time when actually hormones were very, HRT was very much the treatment Mm. for osteoporosis. So that, that was my way in, really. Right. And so what inspired you if you were sort of going down the social worker path? What inspired you to to sort of veer off and, and start nursing training instead? Well, I wanted some practical skills. I guess I was, um, I had an interest in health. Uh, so that felt like a, a natural path for me, really. That's it. That's how nursing came. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, you became more specialised in the area of bone health. And yes. what, what triggered that? Well, I, I did have some a personal interest. Both my grandmothers had actually now I know severe spinal fractures actually one of them had a a very marked dowager's hump as it used to be called but no one knew no one gave a name to it she struggled with pain and body image Um, so I had that personal interest and I did feel it was an area that needed more attention I suppose so yeah it became my specialism and I've gone from there. Right okay and how did you get involved with the Royal Osteoporosis Society? Well, I joined the charity at a time when the helpline service was just being developed and I went on to, well, really to build up that service and to, to manage it and to manage all the information services really at the time. So it's right at the beginning, many years ago. Uh, and then I've moved in to work on across a whole range of different projects since then. Right. So you've been there for many years and, and sort of built it from the ground up, as it were. Yes, and seeing a huge amount of change in in treatments available and so on, but still a condition that needs uh, more attention, I would say. Yes, absolutely. And that's why, of course, it's so great. We're shining the spotlight on it today. So let's talk about bone health then. First of all, let's sort of look at the, the nitty gritty of it. I mean, what is bone made of? 
What is bone? Yeah, good question. So bone is a sort of protein matrix is how it's described with the, the minerals, the hard part sitting within that. Um, and each of our bones is, it has a sort of outer shell, a hard outer shell. And inside there's a sort of mesh, a scaffolding. Uh, you often see those pictures, struts of mm. bone inside. And that's constantly wearing away and rebuilding and changing to keep it healthy and strong. Yeah, so that, so that's what bones are like. They're living structures. They hold us up. They work with our muscles. They store minerals. They produce blood cells. Really important organs within the body. And I don't think we always think about our bone health. No, no, absolutely. So you talked about sort of renewing itself. How does bone renew itself? What What, what is that process? Well, we've got some specialist cells within our bones. One of them is called the osteoclast, and that wears away at the sort of surfaces inside the bone. And then another specialist cell called the osteoblast comes along and fills in the little hole that's been worn away. So there is that constant wearing away and rebuilding. And, the, and, and when that's all in balance, our bones, those struts stay strong and thick with inside the bone and, and, and maintain its strength. Right, right. So I suppose a little bit like skin cells are constantly renewing themselves and repairing themselves. The bone is doing that as well. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so, of course, that brings us to, to bone density, which is something lots of women know we need to be concerned about, but perhaps aren't quite sure why. So why is it so important? Well, bone density is, I suppose, a measure of our bone strength, particularly when we're older. So uh, we can go and have a special sort of scan that will measure, measure how much bone there is in key sites in the body and can actually calculate how dense our bones are. And we know that the lower your bone density, the higher your risk of having a broken bone or a fracture, especially when we fall over. Mm. So bone density is a really important, well, it's described as a risk factor for fracture. It's a bit like blood pressure and stroke. It's something we can look at that indicates whether we're at risk of something else. And in this case, it's a broken bone or a fracture. That's the serious thing that we're trying to avoid. Right. Okay. So when are our bones at our best? Is it as children? Well, we build up the size and strength of our bones through our younger years. Yes, we reach what's called our peak bone density when we're in our late 20s. Uh, so that's probably when our bones are at our biggest and strongest, so, although we maintain that through, through most of our life. Is that the same for men? Yes, it certainly is the same for men and for women. And so that's why it's important that we all think about our bone health. I think that's something that sometimes gets missed. Uh, It's thought of that osteoporosis is a a women's condition, but that isn't actually true. Oh, is that so? And is there a sort of a percentage of of men who who would get it? What, What are the statistics? Well, the, the important thing that we try to focus on is the fractures, is the end point. And we know that one in two women and one in five men will go on to have a fracture of some sort after the age of 50. So it's a very common problem, mm. but it is one that I think um, has, you know, the, it, the focus has been on women uh, because obviously women are more at risk. They tend to have a smaller frame. They lose bone density at the menopause, which is obviously very relevant here. Yes. So we lose we lose estrogen levels, and they they decrease at the menopause, and that begins to bring begins a process of loss of density and bone strength mm. through our later life. I see. So when we're building up our bone strength to that peak uh, at around the age of twenty nine thirty, w- can your lifestyle make a difference? I mean, if you're an active child, will you have stronger bones? Yes, we do think that is the case. There's been a number of studies and it does appear that 
perhaps about uh, 20% of our bone strength is something we can do something about. I mean, there is a big genetic component, mm. but there's something going on there. So we talk about sort of banking bone in those years to get ourselves to the best peak bone mass we can uh, to take us through the rest of our, our life course, really. So there is a genetic factor. I mean, is, is there a likelihood if your parents and your mother in particular had issues with bone density, you might? Yes, uh, certainly. There's something there. There's no genetic test you can have. But we know particularly that if your mother or father broke a hip, for instance, that it's much more likely that you are going to break a hip. There's something going on. There's some kind of family genetic component. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the pause then and that decline that, that happens around then. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Well, the, the key thing seems to be, as I mentioned before, that our sex hormones, particularly estrogen, and that's something that decreases with, as women go through and pass the menopause. And estrogen plays quite an important part in hel helping to maintain our bone strength. Um, so when those levels drop, then we start that the balance between bone building and loss of bone, it, it, it starts to be lost. And we start to lose bone more rapidly in the first few years after menopause, although everyone goes on, as I say, to lose bone through later life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about osteopenia, osteoporosis, mm -hmm. because they're terms I think that people are becoming more familiar with. But how do we know if we've got it? Well, osteoporosis, I have to say, is a word that's sometimes used in a slightly confusing way. It's got a very specific meaning, which is when you have a one of these bone density scans and they find that the amount of bone density you've got is significantly lower than the average adult and, and they diagnose osteoporosis on a scan. But we do have a broader meaning for osteoporosis as a condition when bones are more likely to break. And, and indeed, we use the word sometimes when someone's actually got fractures, you know, mm -hmm. we say they've got terrible osteoporosis. Process. So, but, broad, but basically, it means a condition when bones lose strength, they break more easily, and it's these fractures or broken bones that lead to any of the pain or, in older people, loss of independence mm. and sort of symptoms. So, you, you, the spinal fractures lead to that curvature of the spine and loss of height. So, that's the kind of condition as a whole. Osteopenia is a, a word used when your bone density measurement isn't quite as low as that. So, again, it's got a kind of technical meaning. Does osteopenia always automatically lead to osteoporosis? As I say, osteopenia is a measurement on the scan and we're all on a gradual trajectory downwards. <laughs> so it's more likely. I mean, most women will have osteopenia yeah. when they move past the menopause. It's, it's what happens. So on its own, it doesn't really mean very much. It's not a condition as such. So you shouldn't necessarily freak out if, if you've been told you, you're, you've got osteopenia. No, and I have to say, I think there are some experts in the field that regret that word was ever sort of conceived because I think it can <laughs> cause it can cause anxiety. People think they have a medical problem, whereas really, I think many of these measurements on the bone density are a really good sort of alert. They remind us that something's going on there and we need to think about our, our bone strength, our bone health as a whole. That's the mm. important thing. And so it's an opportunity to take steps. Yes, mm. yes. Okay. So what are the risk factors for osteoporosis? Well, as I say, it's osteoporosis and fractures we're thinking about. We know sure. older age. We know that our bones get less strong as we get older. As I say, women can be more at risk. We know that some medical conditions may increase your risk of osteoporosis. So a very important one, I think, to think about here is early menopause. Yes. So if you had a menopause before the age of 45 and particularly before 40, so you're losing that estrogen protection a lot earlier, that's really important as a risk factor. Mm. We know that some medications 
medications, so things like steroids, which are used to treat other conditions, and also some of the new treatments for breast cancer and prostate cancer, which have an effect on hormone levels. They too can put us at risk. So there are a number of important things to think about in terms of risk of osteoporosis and of fractures. Mm. And are there any lifestyle factors that can be risks? Yes, we know that some of these lifestyle factors like exercising are important. So, for instance, if you're very immobile for long periods, you're not giving your bones. Exercise means giving your bones work to do and they like that and they keep their strength. So if you've got some kind of condition that means you're very immobile, that's important too. I think we know less about how much. We know things like calcium intake, protein intake, vitamin D are all very important, although I think we know less about whether that really is going to cause osteoporosis as such. So sometimes people, I think, get very anxious that they've done something that's caused their osteoporosis. And I think that's something we reassure people about. Mm, mm. Now, I know you were keen to talk about fracture risk assessment. So can you tell us why that's important? Well, I think we've moved away from just focusing on this diagnosis on a bone density scan. I know people get quite fixed on that. Have they or have they not got osteoporosis? And Mm. it's a a very important factor. But these days, certainly if you go to see a healthcare professional, they will do this thing called a fracture risk assessment, where they sort of piece together all the different risk factors, all the things that tell us something about your your bone strength. And that's what they'll base their decision on when they're looking at, do you need a drug treatment, for instance? So, and and it can be a little confusing because people think, well, I've got osteoporosis on the scan, but I'm not being offered a treatment right now. And that's perhaps because your actual fracture risk at your age or looking at everything as a whole doesn't indicate you need a treatment. So I think it's, it's got a little bit more complex, but it's now a little bit more holistic in trying to understand what someone's bone strength is like. Mm, so taking in all the overall factors that could be yes. contributing. I see. Yes. And so, you know, should we be worried if, if you're someone who is quite sedentary and perhaps have for various reasons may not have been exercising very much, can you reverse the issue? What, what can you do? Yeah, I mean, we know exercise is very important. In fact, at the charity, we've done quite a, a big project around exercise over the last few years. And we've worked on worked with experts in the field to produce guidance for health professionals on this, because I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding, this word weight bearings thrown around, but people don't quite know what it means. So we have really drilled down into that a bit. And what we know is that you need to be doing what's called weight bearing exercise. So that's standing with your body's weight pulling on the skeleton, but putting a little bit more force behind that if you can. So that is things like jogging, low level jumping and and also what we call muscle resistance exercise. So that could be using weights, resistance bands, really working your muscles quite hard. And th- that seems to be the, the best type of exercise if you really want to optimize your bone strength. So it is something that's a bit more intense than we perhaps thought. Now that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that's useful. And as you say, if you're if you're frailer and older or you're sedentary, then something's better than nothing. And we would encourage people to do whatever they can manage. But I think if you're fit and well, there may be something a bit more moderately intense that would be useful for you. And and we've got lots of information at the charity about that. Well, I'll be sure to put links to all of that in the show notes so that everyone knows what to do. Because I I think it's one of those things that is a bit of a niggling concern for women in midlife. For example, it's it's quite difficult these days to get the the DEXA scan, the bone scan at the doctor's. And 
then pe- women are sort of worrying that they haven't got it and should they have had it. Yes. And, and so it, it sort of can be lurking there in the background. And I, yes. I, I feel as I certainly observe this with, with the clients in, in my nutrition clinic that there's a sort of movement around midlife to go to a lot more mat based exercise. So there's a lot more mm. Pilates mm. going on restorative yoga which is all great in lots of different ways but perhaps not as resistant for your bones and perhaps not as effective so it's about mixing it up a bit I imagine. It is and we've done quite a bit of work actually with uh, Pilates teachers about this perhaps it's more what you can and can't do that's another big question about you know what's safe if you've got osteoporosis but you know I think you're absolutely right I think Pilates yoga those sorts of things can be really great for lots of reasons and that's about feeling good and it's about fitness and being mobile and flexible and they do do work around muscle resistance to a certain level Mm. so very good at building up muscle strength and also really important for balance because the other thing is as we get older we need to make sure we don't fall over yeah. and that is about we know that you really can build up your mal- your balance and your muscle strength there but you're right I think we would say make sure you get a little bit of impact in there as well so if you're doing your aerobic swimming and you feel really pleased with yourself because you're out of breath and you've <laughs> done that you know several times a week we'd say well make sure you do a little jog back to the car park through the car park to your car you know make sure you're adding in a bit of weight bearing impact to your general sort of aerobic exercise. I think that's the point. Mm. And would there be a general recommendation about how much resistance we should be looking at over the course of a week? Yes. I mean, I think uh, we, we've tried to add to what's already recommended. So we know that, 100, I think they say 150 minutes a week, but we'd say on most days, try and you know be doing about sort of 50 impacts if you can. So that is really thinking if I'm, you know, running up and down stairs or I'm doing what, you know, a little stroll to my car or whatever, try and add in a bit of impact. And we also talk about muscle resistance exercise. And that is a little bit specialist, but um, for those who can manage it and who are going to the gym or using weights, well, you should really be working a bit to what they say is eight to 12 repetitions max, three times, times three sets. You know, it is really trying to work hard. And I think this is one of the challenges, to be honest, because is that realistic for a lot of older people? And it might not be. Yeah. I think that's the problem. So we have to be a little bit realistic because lots of people would like to manage osteoporosis without having to take a drug. You know, they feel like they understandably want a lifestyle approach but Mm. it's not terribly easy. My understanding is that it's actually also quite important for to have variety because if you get stuck in the same old routine of your resistance work the bones will adapt to that is that right? Yes. And I think that, well, I think that's applied particularly to the impact. They talk about, you know, a variety of, of, of exercise and this is changing and moving in different directions. And, and this is where not just, not just walking or not just doing one sort of exercise. You're absolutely right. Variety is very important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's great. So mix and match and, uh, and keep changing. And I think that's where the increasing muscle resistance is important. If you've got to the point where you can easily lift a, a weight, then you need to move on to a bigger yeah. weight. I mean, to be honest, that's, the, the the sort of serious approach I guess yeah yeah okay so if you do end up with with uh, a high fracture risk or a diagnosis of osteoporosis what are the options for managing that beyond thinking about careful exercise 
Well, I think lifestyle continues to be important um, and, and one can't promise that that means people want to know, will I improve my bone density if I? And I think you can't promise that, but it's all continues to be important. It's complementary. So you need to keep doing all those things. And in fact, exercising, you can do more than you probably think. And again, we've got information about that. But yes, if you've got a higher fracture risk and you're an older person, then the, the recommendation is to consider some sort of medication. And there are medications out there which, you know, we know are well tested and are safe and effective and, and certainly consider those. Talk to your healthcare practitioner and they will do various investigations and that will include probably bone density scanning to build up that picture. And you would usually be recommended a treatment for five years or so and then they would review you at that time and decide on next steps. Mm, I see. And obviously you mentioned the issue of the, the drop in oestrogen around menopause. So what, what's, the, what's the current thinking on HRT in relation to bone health? I think that's a really good question. I think it's what I would call one of those evolving areas. And I've been around long enough for, to move from the time when it was the only treatment for osteoporosis to a whole number of years when one could almost say it wasn't even available and people were very, very anxious about it. And I think we're emerging out of that now. And I think there certainly is a recognition that Certainly, it's a very important medication, as I say, for early menopause, and that would usually be recommended that you consider HRT up to the normal age, up to, to the age of about 50. But that if, you're in, if you are someone with, who's perhaps between 50 and 60, when those kind of background risks for some of the things we worry about for HRT, like you know, stroke, blood clots, breast cancer, these sorts of things, up to the age of about 60, we do think it's probably safe to consider HRT as treatment for osteoporosis. And I I think that particularly when a woman's looking at her menopausal symptoms and thinking about, is there something that I can use that's going to help me at this time? So we would encourage people very much to, at that age, to talk to their their GP or their their healthcare practitioner, whoever they're, he's managing and helping them about HRT as an option. Mm. I just think it's not black and white. And I think um, there is a fear out there still very much about, is this safe? Um, and I think it's it's something, you know, new, new research, new recommendations coming out all the time. But, but to summarise, yes, it is an option and certainly something to discuss. Mm. And I think if anybody's got any concerns, it's really important they go and see their doctor to get the appropriate yes. advice for them. Because of course, everybody's different. They have a different Absolutely. Health they have different lifestyle factors that could come into play. Absolutely. I think it's just that it's not an absolute no, no, or yes, yes. It's what you've just said. Talk to your doctor and they, they're the one who's going to know you best and can help you come to that decision. The other thing I wanted to talk about is nutrition, because, of course, that's my area. Mm -hmm. So I'm always going to be thinking about what can we do to support bone health. So what's your view on that? Well, I think, again, we would be saying it's that healthy eating approach. And although the, um, the the focus has always been very much on calcium and vitamin D, you know, those are the kind of the things we think about. We would be, our, certainly our nutritional advisors have always said, take that kind of holistic approach. It's about healthy eating. It's about the eat well guide. It's about making sure that you have food from all the different food groups and that all the evidence points to that at the moment being the best way forward. Um, I think some things have come a bit more to the fore, like protein. Sometimes there's an anxiety, particularly that older people maybe miss out on some of the protein that they need. I'm thinking of risks of hip fracture in older age. Um, and adequate calcium. We, calcium isn't magic. And I think that's the other <laughs> thing. We, it's not a 
And it really isn't a treatment for osteoporosis as such. But if you haven't got enough, then you need the foundations, I suppose. So we'd say get adequate calcium. Um, and if you're not getting enough, then a supplement can help you to do that. But we, we would encourage people to take the food approach wherever possible and eat that well-balanced mixed diet. And there's lots of interesting work, isn't there, going on with the sort of healthy gut and the microbiome and it's very interesting how everything seems to come to the same conclusion on that so again I don't think there's an easy answer but I think it's healthy eating with adequate calcium and protein and to think about vitamin d as well Mm. well I'd absolutely endorse that I think people who listen to me regularly will know I'm always banging on about protein and I I think that one of the important things with with nutrition and and health for women in midlife is not to be ruling out major food groups. You know, Mm. there's a tendency, you know, people are often worrying about their weight and they think, oh, I Mm. need to follow a very low fat diet or a very low carb Mm. diet. But actually, we need all those food groups. And Mm. the the reason for that, of course, is that we have to give our body the tool to do the job. Mm. And if they haven't got those tools, it's incredibly difficult. And we, we also need to bear in mind that the body's job is to preserve your life. And so if you are having very low levels of protein, for example, in your diet, then it will always prioritize the vital organs. And therefore, things like your bones or your hair or your skin are going to lose out on the protein they need because it will be diverted to the organs that genuinely will need it to save your life. So I think it's very important, boring though it may seem, to look at the balanced diet. So you're getting Mm. a sufficient protein, sufficient carbohydrates, sufficient fat, and then be thinking about those micronutrients very much as the icing on the cake. But you've got Mm. to make the cake first. That's my view. Mm. Mm. No, I think absolutely that that reflects the current thinking around bone health too. Yeah. Okay, so I'd like to know a little bit more about the Royal Osteoporosis Society. So tell us a little bit about you know, the history of it and what does it do? It's been around since the mid-80s and uh, was set up actually by clinicians, experts in the field, rheumatologists and gynecologists, and was trying to do two things, really. It was trying to reach out to healthcare professionals um, and to to, to be a home, I suppose, for those working in the field, but also very much to try and raise awareness about the condition and support people, particularly those who'd got painful and disabling fractures who were almost invisible at the time. And, And it has grown as a charity. And you know we've we've done a huge amount over the years. Uh, we've recently got a new CEO who's very motivated and revitalising us after a really difficult year. I think, like many charities, so yeah, a combination of work. We do a lot of information and support. We raise awareness, outreach work. I've been doing quite a lot of work this year with other organisations, talking to people who've got risk factors or who are touching the same sort of audience like yourself. So, you know, it's great to be here, I think, and because we're all sort of collaborating really to try and uh, put a bit of a focus on the on the importance of our bones. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's all about working together and making sure we get the information yeah. out there. So what are the vehicles you use for spreading the word about bone health and, and osteoporosis? Well, we've got a website. We've got um, lots of information resources, both printed and online. We've got, um, well, I would say it's fantastic because I was involved in setting it up, but we've got a fantastic helpline <laughs> run by specialist nurses, which is 
a little bit unusual. Not a lot of medical, some medical charities have that, but it really means that if you want to talk to someone about your situation, that we can't advise you as such, we're really able to kind of to, to help you think through and uh, and and you know plan your next steps and talk to your to your doctor and so on. So there's a specialist nurse helpline. We've got. Uh, support groups which are working online at the moment but we're very much regionally based and hope to go back to being that we've got a membership so people can get regular information and like all charities we're now on social media on on, on Facebook and Twitter and trying to be active on on all sorts of channels that's fantastic so women who are trying to understand a bit more about osteoporosis or or perhaps struggling with fractures can actually come to you and have a chat with one of your specialist nurses just sort of in general terms to get some signposting yes. and support yeah and I think we, we do get fantastic feedback and I and I think it's because we're prepared to dive in there we know they're very very knowledgeable and what they can do is sort of reflect current best practice and and the evidence so you really think you're getting a you know what you should be getting I suppose and you can go out and find it really I think that's where I am and people just do come to talk because they've just recently I was on the helpline with someone who'd had multiple vertebral fractures and didn't know about us and nobody had given her any support and she was weeping on the phone that somebody was actually recognizing her situation so yeah I think it's a very vital and valuable service yeah, I, I think so. And when you're dealing with somebody like that, I mean, are you able to reassure? Are you able to say, is it, for example, the case that you can, to a degree, build up your bone density again, even if you've slid down the scale? Or would you simply arrest the the decline? No, I think the important thing, again, is that it's about bone strengthening. And if, if you're on a medication that is going to strengthen your bones, and also it's helpful for people who've had multiple fractures to know that they will heal and they may have to start to live with a slightly changed body shape. This woman had lost several inches in height. She had curvature of the spine. She was only in her early 60s. You know, she wasn't mm. very old, not that that makes it any less important, but you know what I mean? It was a shock mm. and yes. she was having to cope with her relationship with her husband and how everything had changed. But I was able to put things in perspective and say that hopefully as time, you know, with time and exercise and physiotherapy help, she would get back to, and she was beginning to, rec- and, and, and should hopefully she would be able to return to a good quality, you know, the same to where she was, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, lots okay. of reassurance. Well, that's, yeah, that's very reassuring to hear because I think it's one of those things people worry that, well, that's it now. Yes. You know, I've, let, I've let things slide and I can't do anything about it. Yes. Yeah. So no, there is always something that can help, I think. Excellent. So I'll be sure to put links to the website, the helpline and your social media on the show notes so everyone can find you. But tell me this, have you got any exciting projects or campaigns coming up? Well, we have actually got a really important campaign at the moment. As a charity, we're supporting a model of care called Fracture Liaison Services. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's basically <laughs> saying that out there in the NHS, when you've broken a bone easily, you should be able to just go and be properly assessed and treated to stop you having a, another bone that breaks. And it sounds obvious, but there's really a postcode lottery out there. And some people have got right. fantastic services and others haven't. So we're really ramping up our campaign at the moment. And on World Osteoporosis Day, another important day, obviously, after World Menopause Day. So that's the 20th of October. We're asking all our supporters to sort of email their MP. And we're having a sort of mass virtual lobby of parliament. Oh, that sounds like a great campaign. Will there be a link for that that people could go to? Yep, I can certainly add that into the information um, because what we we really want to sort of launch a, a new 
policy manifesto to get osteoporosis and bone health much higher up the the policy agenda. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and we're going to be taking that to 10 Downing Street. So yeah, exciting things happening on the 20th of October. And if anyone's interested in finding out more, we can certainly um, update them. Yeah, well, the listeners are very engaged generally. So I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help with that campaign because it's all about our health and, and we need to be proactive about that. So if we're able to get the advice and support when there is that sense of a little bit of a red flag with a fracture, that could change everything. Yes, Yes. Brilliant. So all very exciting stuff. And before we wrap up, what I'd like to ask you, Sarah, is from all the things you've learned through your years of clinical work, the work at the Royal Osteoporosis Society, what would your top two tips be for women who want to maintain strong, healthy bones? Well, inevitably, I'm focusing on World Menopause Day in in my mind. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm really, I think you've already said this, I'm thinking of it as a real opportunity. So it's a time when it is worth really focusing on these risk factors we've been talking about. You know, is there something here that applies to you? Do you need to discuss it and think about whether you need some further investigations, whether you need a treatment? So it is a point in your life when these things start to be relevant. Um, So that's my first thing. Think about risk factors and get the investigations and treatments that you might need. And then the second is really all the things we've discussed, which is there are so many lifestyle changes that you can make. And even if you don't need a treatment right at the menopause, and you may not, even if you've got osteoporosis, you can make some positive changes, exercise, healthy eating, not smoking, reducing your alcohol. And the great thing is that all these positive changes will mirror the advice for other health conditions. I think that's great news. So what you do for your bones, you do for your cancer risk, you do for your heart disease risk. So it it all fits together nicely. So really just my thinking is see menopause as an opportunity for your bone health for the rest of your life. Excellent. Very wise words. Yes, I would agree with that. I think that one of the things I love about nutrition is that it's a great big network of action in the body. And by working on one particular area, you nearly always gain benefits in another area. Because as you say, it's all about the the healthy eating, the providing the tools to your body to do what it needs to do. So I think that's excellent advice. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really interesting and incredibly helpful, I think, to get such sort of calm, expert and clear advice. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jackie. I've really enjoyed it. I hope that's given you the impetus you need to be more proactive about supporting your bones by factoring little bursts of resistance work into your day, whether making a point of running up the stairs, doing a few star jumps as you boil the kettle, or getting out the resistance band. Every little helps, as they say. If you'd like to find out more about Sarah and her work at the Royal Osteoporosis Society, are keen to contact the nurse helpline she mentioned, or would like to lobby Parliament on World Osteoporosis Day, hop on over to the podcast page on my website, well-well-well.co.uk, where I've put all the relevant links in the show notes. Next month, the spotlight is on immune support and how the food that you eat can really make a difference to your resilience as we move into the winter when the cold and flu viruses are out to get us. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you listen on. And make sure you tell all your friends. It makes a huge difference to the visibility of the podcast and really helps to spread the word. Because every woman deserves to have a happy menopause. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.